Welcome to Life Smithing. My name is Cynthia Burley. Today's topic is the Sanguine's Path to Holiness, and Sanguine is spelled S A N G U I N E. Basically, the Sanguine is the life of the party. So, if you know someone like that, that's a Sanguine. So, I'm going to tell you a little bit about the Sanguine, but I'm mostly going to focus on the Sanguine's Path to Holiness. How does a Sanguine achieve sanctity? Okay, so the sanguine is always changing in his moods. So one minute he could be laughing, one minute he might be angry, one minute he may really be for something, the next minute he might change his mind. That's a sanguine. The sanguine loves to hang out with people. He's extroverted, just like the choleric, but he loves a company of people. He loves to have many friends. That's the sanguine. The sanguine has an absence of deep passions. The sanguine tends to be very superficial. So if you're dating someone who's sanguine and on day two, he tells you, I am in love with you. Don't believe it. <laughs> his, his emotions are very superficial unless he learns to actually have deep emotions. And that goes the same for anger. A sanguine can get very angry but then they forget it in a couple of hours because that's your sanguine. The sanguine is very vain. If you know someone who's very into how he dresses, you know, flashy or has to have the best designer outfits, that's probably a sanguine. A sanguine likes to flirt a lot, tends to be jealous and also envious. Sanguines are very cheerful extremely cheerful. They are always telling you cheer up. So they're never, they're not usually sad, at least not for long. So these are some characteristics of the sanguine temperament. And we're using the book, The Four Temperaments by Reverend Conrad Hawk, and I will link to it in the show notes. So now let's take a look at the sanguine's path to holiness. The Four Temperaments books list five methods of soul training for the sanguine. Basically, the sanguine's path to holiness. Number one, and I quote, A sanguine person must give himself to reflection on spiritual as well as temporal affairs. It is especially necessary for him to cultivate those exercises of prayer in which meditation prevails. For instance, morning meditation, spiritual reading, general and particular examination of conscience, meditation on the mysteries of the rosary and the presence of God. Superficiality is the misfortune, reflection, the salvation of the sanguine. In regard to temporal affairs, the sanguine person must continually bear in mind that he cannot do too much thinking about them. He must consider every point, anticipate all possible difficulties. He must not be overconfident over optimistic, end quote. Unlike the melancholic who tends to think about things over and over and over and over and is really slow about making decisions, the sanguine is different. The sanguine tends to be very optimistic about everything without planning. They just think that everything is going to be okay. There's no plan B. They just wing it, right? That's the sanguine. The sanguine, whereas you might tell the melancholic, don't overthink, the sanguine, you want to tell really overthink. Go through the steps, make a list, make sure that you have anticipated every possibility. Also, because the sanguine likes to live in the moment, 
it's good for the sanguine to get into the habit of praying every day at certain times, adding a little structure in the morning, do meditation or do your rosary or do a reading in the evening. A particular examination of consciousness is recommended because the sanguine tends to flow through life without realizing what she's doing wrong, what she's doing right. So when she or she meditates at the end of the day, it's a good thing to reflect upon the actions. Interestingly, the sanguine also finds confession very easy. You know how the melancholic, when they sin, they feel really bad. I mean, too bad. They have the temptation of experiencing despair. The sanguine is different because the sanguine takes everything very lightly. So when they go to confession, they're not ashamed of their sins. And really, they need to focus on the sin and what they're doing wrong. And this is why an examination of conscience is very important. Number two, quote, he must daily practice mortification of the senses, the eyes, ears, tongue, the sense of touch, and guard the palate against overindulging in exquisite foods and drinks. The sanguine likes the fine things in life, right? Best food, best beautiful house, best clothes. And so daily, if the sanguine wants to achieve sanctity, then the sanguine has to learn self-denial and not always get the best things in life, not always get the first class ticket, not always get the most expensive gourmet food. Number three. He must absolutely see to it that he be influenced by the good and not by the bad, that he accept counsel and direction. A practical aid against distraction is a strictly regulated life and in a community, the faithful observance of the rules. One issue that comes up with children who are sanguine, especially teenagers, is that they tend to be led by their friends. And so if their group of friends are good, they'll probably follow them because they they want everyone to be happy. They love to be loved and adored. So if the group believes something to be good, they tend to go along with it. And if the group is a group that has bad influence, most likely the sanguine, if he's not careful, can also be influenced. So if you have a teenager who's hanging out with a bunch of so-called bad kids, meaning they do what they're not supposed to do, you really have to be careful. You really have to watch who your sanguine child is hanging out with because they will have an influence on that sanguine. We'll be right back. So how do you like the sanguine so far? Do you think you're a sanguine? Do you know any sanguines? <laughs> Now, remember that we all have all four temperaments in us. We just have a primary and a secondary, but we can learn to cultivate the positive aspects of all the temperaments. And I remember specifically, there was a time when I was in sales that I went out of my way to cultivate certain parts of the sanguine temperament that I like. For example, the friendliness, um, the networking ability. You know, sanguines have a lot of friends. So I went out of my way to network and speak to strangers, I was cultivating the sanguine part, the positive parts. Okay, let's continue. Number four, prolonged spiritual aridity is a very salutary trial for him because his unhealthy sentimentality is thereby cured or purified. Do you know some people who, when they pray, 
They just want to feel the prayer, right? They want to they wanna get the chills. You know, they want to feel like they're floating. If they could levitate, they, they would, right? But are we supposed to do that? Are we supposed to seek consolations or the God of all consolations? So a sanguine is likely to want these things. They want the, the music to dance to. You know, they want to feel the chills. They want to feel like they're in heaven. But what happens when you don't feel that? We all know that sometimes there is spiritual dryness. And for the sanguine, it's a good thing. It's good for the sanguine soul because it's exactly what he doesn't need. He needs to be able to focus on God, whether he feels God or not. He needs to love God, whether God sends him constellations or not. God sends spiritual aridity to some people who actually need it. Let's go on. Number five, he must cultivate his good traits as charity, obedience, candor, cheerfulness, and sanctify these natural good qualities by supernatural motives. In other words, he already has these good traits, charitable, he, he, you know, he obeys because he wants to please everybody. He's, he's honest to fall cheerful. Well, these are good qualities. Let's sanctify those qualities. Do them for God. And it goes, it says, he must continually struggle against those faults to which he is so much inclined by his natural disposition, such as vanity and self-complacency, love of particular friendships, sentimentality, sensuality, jealousy, levity, superficiality, instability. So you see all those good traits that the sanguine has? Usually he's doing it for a very superficial reason. He wants to be loved. He wants to be the center of attention, right? She's being charitable because it'll make people happy and that will make her look like a good person. However, these are usually done because of vanity, self-complacency, love, friendships, etc. But how about if we sanctify those traits? How about if we do it for God, right? How about we're cheerful because we want to lift somebody's spirit? Not because we want them to like us, right? How about if we're honest because we want to help someone? How about if we're obedient, not because we don't want to go against the grain and then we won't be part of the circle, but because it's the right thing to do. So you can actually sanctify these traits as a sanguine. So those are the five points that is listed in this book, The Four Temperaments. I will link to it in the show notes. If you like this material that I'm giving you, give me feedback. Let me know what else you want me to talk about. I'm completely open. I revamped this podcast, so think of it as new. And if you have anything you want me to talk about, not just temperaments, but it can be about temperaments, temperaments, relationships, etc., please let me know by commenting on the Facebook or by commenting on the page, lifesmithing.com. Have a blessed day. Hi there, this is Cynthia Burley. Please subscribe to Lifesmithing with Cynthia Burley on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google. If you listen to us on iTunes and you love this podcast, we would be so ecstatic if you would give us a five-star review. Giving us five-star reviews help us to reach more people. Thank you so much and God bless.